spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Verse 4, do not be afraid. You shall not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. I know there aren't many widows here, but basically what, what he's saying, what I feel like God wants to say to this church is that there is a season of growth and expansion coming. And that God is asking each and every one of you to take hold of the blessing that is Jesus Christ because there's going to become a greater demand on each and every one of you. But that, but at the same time, he's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because I have already placed within you what is necessary to walk forward into what you have. I hear him saying that there is, a, there is an anointing and a grace on this church to set people free from fear, to set people free from shame, to establish them in true righteousness, whereby it's not just a form, it's not just a tick box, it's not just a religion, that there is life flowing from the very heart of people into the nation, into the atmosphere, into our homes, into our schools, into every place in our community. I felt God specifically say this, that he's going to showcase spiritual family to the nations through this church. That there is coming a time when, when this church will be filled with such diversity, such, such a mixture of people that when people come to look, they'll say, where did this people come from? I feel like specifically he's breaking down walls of division. He's breaking down walls of division in our own hearts, but he's also breaking down walls of divisions between, between people and people groups and genders and age groups, and that he is bringing together every kind of person with one common denominator, the praise of Jesus Christ on their lips. And I hear the Lord saying to each and every one of you, my daughter, my son, will you stand up in the anointing and the grace that I've given you? Will you stand up in the call that I've given you? For indeed, this church won't be a church of one man or one woman doing, doing the works of God, but this will be a church where every person will carry my anointing and will carry my grace. For you've heard the call in your heart. You've heard the stirring. You've heard in, inside of you the deep desire to be significant, to be used by God, to be able to look at your environment and say, God changed it because I said yes. And I hear the Lord saying to each and every one of you, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not look back. For those things that I've called you to are the things that I am doing. Amen and amen. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Lord Jesus, I just pray for this church. I pray specifically for Mike and Linda. Lord God, as they lead, what, what I believe is going to be more than a church, but it's going to be a movement. Lord God, I just I want to ask, Lord God, that you would give them greater grace. Lord God, I just I pray for the unity of their family. I pray for the, the life of Christ in their home. I pray that every minute of the day they would experience your grace your life, your love. Father God, I pray for a leadership mantle on them that is greater than they've ever experienced before. I pray that you would give them clear vision and understanding. And Father, I pray that this church, this church would hear the call that is coming through the two of them, would hear the voice of the Spirit of the living God saying, let's move, let's go, let's do this. And Father God, I pray there would be a, a, a tenacious voice that comes from every heart to follow Jesus Christ into the victory that we need here. Thank you, Lord. 
Amen and amen. So, so love this church already. It's the first time I've been here, but I am, I'm feeling you already. Andrew and I are already making plans of how we can move to Nelsbury. <laughs> we haven't quite found our house yet, but looking, looking at some of these houses, I'm like, what am I doing in Joburg? So I'm going to be talking to you about, I'm going to put this up here so that I don't stand in front of the screen so you can see. Um, I'm going to be talking to you about wholeness today, something only God can give you. You know, I feel like in every, in every heart there is a desire for wholeness. You know, you know when, God, when God designed mankind, he, he didn't design us with the brokenness that we see around us. I know each and every one of you have no brokenness inside of you, but I'm talking about those other people. You know when you look around, that person that cut you off at the robot, you know that, that teller that didn't give you the right service, you know, you know those broken people. God, did, God didn't mean brokenness to be a part of our world. He, he meant that every human being would, would live secure. You know, we, would, we wouldn't have to pull down the person next to us to feel good about ourselves. That there would be just a natural, a natural sense of, of um, significance, wholeness, fullness in us that would allow the person next to us to be great and us not to feel bad about that, us to be able to celebrate it. There, there was a way in which God meant for joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control to be just, just the normal way that we relate to one another. God, God meant all of creation to function in a way that facilitates His glory, His love, and His goodness being shown to the world. But we look at the world and it's not like that. I mean, I, Andrew and I haven't complained once to each other and it's only, what, 9.40? Who knows? I feel, I feel like we're doing well today, darling. Well today. <laughs> You know, there's, there's, a, there's a world out there that disappoints daily. But what if there could be a people? What if there could be a people who could say yes to Jesus in a way that they shed off the shame, they let go of the fear, they were able to, to walk past bitterness, they were able to step out of those feelings of, of insignificance, of hopelessness. What if there was a people who could be so whole on the inside that that wholeness became contagious? What if, what if we could carry that anointing that Jesus carried? That when lepers touched him, they became whole. What would it be like if, if we walked into classrooms and children who were battling to understand could come and be around us and suddenly things became clear? What if, what if we could walk into environments of strife and speak what's on our heart and, and people, pe people could leave that dissension and that anger behind and and become united. What if you could shake the hand of a politician and he become uncorrupt? 
<laughs> I mean, what if? What if? You know, I, I feel like one of the problems with the church today is we think too small. We think too small. That, that our, our expectation of what we can have is so programmed by what we've already had that we can't see anything bigger. And one of the reasons that we read our Bibles is that God is continuously trying to reprogram our minds so that we can see His blueprint for the world. So we don't have to live. We don't have to live in the brokenness that is around us. I remember... I've got the feeling that maybe I'm not going to get too many of my slides. Is that okay? <laughs> I remember... I remember being 16. I won't tell you how long ago it was. But just remember. Yeah, just the other day. I remember being 16 and I, you know, I remember how the world looked to me. I remember how there was this persistent, pervasive fear in my soul. You know, I, I was quite a high achiever, believe it or not. You know, I got good marks, I, I, I got into the sports teams, I, I was class captain enough times where it was, you know, I could be labeled as a leader, so to speak. I wasn't ready, but I, you know, I, I managed to fake it enough. But, but I, for all intents and purposes, you know, I, I was doing the right things. But I remember how day in, day out, I stood in my environments and I was so certain. I was so certain that sometime someone's going to see past the facade and they were going to see the ache inside. They were going to see the loneliness inside. They were going to feel, see those, those feelings of insecurity, those feelings of, can I actually do this thing? Now, maybe I'm the only one here who ever felt those things. But, you know, I remember the day that I said yes to Jesus. And I remember that, that intense feeling of, you're not alone. And you know, it's not like I got better at things instantaneously, but what I do remember is that I knew from that moment onwards that I would never ever face anything by myself. Yeah. And what I, also, what I also came to understand is that, is that I would never ever face anything without the wisdom of heaven ever again. You might not believe this, but but I pretty much wrote matric. Look, I did study for matric, um, so this is <laughs> my, my sister's here and she's shaking her head. She feels like I did. <laughs> but 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 I remember sitting in exams, and I was like, Oh Lord, I I should have studied this section harder. And I remember praying this prayer, Lord Jesus, you know everything about biology. Help me. <laughs> no, I did. I know. It feels like I cheated. Hey. But you know what? Answers came to my mind. But, but what, what I'm trying to tell you is that... It's not a principle you want to do. <laughs> what, I, what I'm trying to let you know is that from that moment on, it became obvious 
that I was facing life with more than just what I could do. You've heard the word grace used so much. I mean, it's a, it's a word that is bandied around um, in Christian circles all over the place. So we don't always understand what it means. So I'm going to give you a definition. Would you be happy with that? Grace is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit empowering you to do what you could not do without Him. Christianity is the unfair advantage. Christianity means that the creator of the universe comes to live inside of you. That everything changes. Wholeness is not getting your ducks in a row. Wholeness is not getting things together, having another degree, making the team, being better at what you, what you are have in front of you. Wholeness is having Jesus Christ inside of you. My friends, I cannot emphasize this enough. That I don't care how good you are at your job. I don't care how great you are at making friends. Without Jesus Christ, you're not fully human. Without Jesus Christ, you are not fully human. What do I mean by that? Can we jump right back to the beginning of the Bible? Do you remember the story of creation? Do you remember how it says that God breathed into mankind and they became a living being? My friends, what were they before that? My hope is that you see this, that without the breath of heaven, without the breath of Jesus Christ, without the breath of the living God inside of you, you are not who you were meant to be. That to be human means to be a physical, physical being with the breath of God inside of you. And what we, what we look at, a bro- when we look at the broken world around us, when we look at the corruption, the, the anger, the hatred, the abuse, what we are seeing is a world in which God has breathed out. Where mankind is doing his absolute best to just make it work for himself. When mankind is doing his absolute best to just work out solutions. Education is not going to do it. We're coming up for elections and I hope you're going to, I hope you're going to vote. But I want to promise you that a new government is not going to do it. Because I don't care what um, political party you're a part of, without Jesus, you're going nowhere. More money is not going to do it. A new job is going to do it. More hours in the gym is not going to do it. None of those things by themselves are bad. But the bottom line is, And if Jesus Christ is breathed into you, you will never be who you want to be. My friends, I want to propose this to you. You will never even be fully human. 
Now, most of you, my, my hope is that Jesus Christ is breathed in in great, in great um, power and, and you, you know him. If, if not, it's really easy to solve. You just come speak to me right afterwards. I'll pray for you. It simply means that you open up your heart and you acknowledge that without him, you can't make it. You acknowledge that you have been, you've been trying to fix your world on your own. And you simply say, God, I can't do that anymore. Would you come in? And would you take over? Would you be my Lord? Would you, would you allow me to surrender my life to you? And would you be in charge? But you see, the time that we come to know Jesus, the time that we say yes to him, we've lived sometimes decades without him. And the difficulty is that our minds and our hearts have been molded by a world that doesn't know Christ. And the life that lives in us has to work itself out through a broken thinking, through broken understanding. And so we are working so hard to, to let the life of Jesus come out, but it just comes out wrong. Have you noticed from time to time? You're doing your best to be good, to be right, but heck, it just, it just comes out less than it was inside. You know, it started off as this great thought. By the time it came out, it's like this little dribble. point of Christianity is to take Jesus' hand and to walk through life and to notice the times when, when your thinking doesn't look like his thinking. Yeah. To notice when your actions don't look like his actions. And to turn to him and say, Lord, change me. Lord, change me. Lord, allow your life to have a, a pure vessel to work through so that what is inside is what is on the outside. So that everything looks like Christ Jesus. I want to turn to a scripture. It is in Numbers 14, verse 24. You were wondering if I'd actually ever get to the Bible. But I want to tell you the story of two people. Two, two groups of people. The first group of people, they... They stood on a ridge overlooking a valley and to the other side was this magnificent land full of every good thing. And as they stood there, they remembered how they had got to this ridge. They remembered the, the year and a half of wandering or of, of journey across a wilderness. They remembered the night that they, they fled from Egypt. They remembered the night when they stood on the banks of a giant sea and the Egyptian army was after them and they feared for their life. They remembered that, that muddy journey across the sea with walls of water on their right and their left as God parted the seas and they remembered the terror of how it felt like when those walls were threatening to cave in. They remembered being in a dry and dusty wilderness and how how they their parents were, were crying out and and complaining about the lack of water and the lack of food. And, and they remembered all the difficulties. They remembered 
that mad night of rejoicing when all of the community started dancing and worshiping around the golden calf and and how um how that moment felt so exciting but then how angry god was and how three thousand people were slain in an instant or in a moment as response to that and they remembered the death and the mayhem and the difficulty and they stood on this ridge and they thought oh my word it's been so tough they remembered the difficult times the hardship and they stood and they said could god possibly help us to possess this land and their answer was no because their hearts were settled on the difficulties of the past their hearts their hearts were captivated by how tough it had been they couldn't look past their troubles to the god who had rescued them in every moment and at the same time right next to them stood two other men Caleb and Joshua and these two other men thought differently they remembered that same night crossing that red sea that that muddy floor that they went through and the walls of water on the right and the left and they thought god did it then he'll do it again they remembered the the long trek through the wilderness and and they remembered those thirsty days and those hungry nights and they said and yet god brought manna out of heaven and saved us god brought water from the rock and gave us water to drink despite the hardships god was there god was there and when they stood on that ridge looking across at that that beautiful land they said despite the fact that there are giants there is a bigger god with us there's a bigger god with us god described these two and you you know the story i hope you know the story if you don't know the story go and read it in the book of numbers is fascinating beautiful incredible story you'll actually actually have to read a few books of the bible to get it but you'll enjoy it <laughs> but we know how the story goes those 10 those 10 spies who were sent to spy out the promised land that God had promised to Israel looked at the giants in that land and could not see how God could deliver them could not see how God could give them the land could not see it and God you know you know we often read the old testament and we we wonder you know could that possibly the god that did all those crazy things um killed entire nations brought down fire from heaven could that be the same god of jesus who was healing all the people the answer is yes god was always merciful that his judgments and his mercies are the same thing and and when he looked at those 10 people whose hearts quaked at the thought of going into this land his mercy said I cannot send them into a land where they cannot trust me. When they cannot trust me. Because indeed, those giants will take over. They will submit to the fear that is not in the land but in that is in their heart. And they will crumble before the adversity. And my mercy is going to send them back into the wilderness so that I can I can train and heal and deliver the nation so that they'll be ready for the inheritance that I have for them. 
but to those two men who would believe. To those two men who would believe. He said this, I will give you this land. I will give you this land. What was it about these two men that, that stood out, that made them able to receive the inheritance that was theirs? But my servant Caleb, that was the name of one of them, has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. My friends, the characteristic of these two men is that they had a different spirit and that they followed wholeheartedly. The result of them having those two things is that they were brought into the land and that their children inherited it. What God is after, he's after a new you so that you can have a new land and so that you can have a new future. How is he going after the new you? He wants to put a different spirit in you. And that's the spirit of the living God. <coughs> He's saying to each and every one of you, the inadequacy you feel is actually true. By yourself, you just don't believe that. I'm so sorry. I know you're fantastic. But the thing God has for us is so much greater than what we could possibly fashion with our own hands. If all you are believing for is what you can do, then you're believing too small. Honestly and truly. If all you want out of life is what you can manufacture with your own strength, then you're thinking too small. You see, God wants to come and put that new spirit inside of you so that he can give you not what you're going after, but what he's going after. I mean, God wants to give you a whole heart. Remember, I said the life that you have has to, has to live out through your mind and your thinking. The Hebrews, when they, when they thought of a heart, when they, when they talked about a heart, really, today we would talk about that as our thinking, our personality, our who we are. And we all know this, how life is stolen from us. You know, there are parts of our heart that, that we've sometimes given away. There are parts of our heart that the world has taken. Many of you here battling with depression. Many of you here are battling with feelings of hopelessness. Anxiety is at its highest level in the world today than it's ever been. What is that? That is when life, the enemy, the devil, circumstances, our own wrong thinking has caused part of our hearts to be captured. Captured by wrong thinking. Captured, invalidated, made null and void, not available to us in, in any way. The New Testament word for Anxiety literally means to divide the mind. 
And as we live in a world that is, is filled with turmoil, so much of our mind is divided, separated, taken from us. It becomes unavailable to us. How many of you know how much you want to love? And sometimes it's so difficult. Because it almost feels like your, your heart, you can't put your heart into it. And really what, what God wants to come and do is return to you the fullness of who you were meant to be. To remove the depression, to remove the anxiety, to remove the pain, the brokenness, and to make you born again. And then he promises you the most spectacular things. Because you see, you can only give the fullness of the inheritance of what he has for you to a person who can hold it, who can handle it, who has the strength of character to stand up to those giants and say, no, this is my land. Step aside. To stand up to the, the difficulty of the moment and say, no. No. This is my land. When I was approximately five years old, I thought about the house I wanted to live in. Did you ever think about that? You know, the house I was going to live in was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It had swimming pools in every room. <laughs> and between the rooms, it had water slides. You didn't go through doors, you went through water slides from one, one room to the other. And you know, if you had asked me at five years of age, I would have told you, absolutely, that's what I'm going to do. This is the house I'm going to have. And in addition, my parents are going to live with me in, in one part of the house. And my sister's going to live over there, and my other sister's going to live over there, and I'm going to have an entire room for my teddy bears, and everyone I've ever loved will live with me. Have you built one of those houses way back when? You know, it didn't, it didn't take many years for me to figure out that this probably was not going to come to pass. But as I came to know Jesus, I came to understand something that, that, his, that, that my childhood wishful thinking probably wasn't going to get me anywhere. But that the promises of God were going to get me everywhere. And you know, you may not have wishful thinking that's as extreme as my childhood house. But we do have, we do have wishful thinking. We, we, have, we have dreams that are based on a lack of reality. And I'm so sorry, you have fantastic dreams. But you know, sometimes we're striving after things that, that, are, that are fantastical, but perhaps have no grounding in reality. Sometimes we, we longing to go back to a time that, that you know, God's not taking the world back to you. And God is asking this. 
He's asking us to leave behind our wishful thinking and to look at our future through the promises of God. You see, when those ten spies, those ten spies who never got the land, when they stood on that ridge and they looked across at that, that land, I don't know what they had been imagining up to that point when God had said he was going to take the nation of Israel to a promised land, but clearly it didn't involve giants. Clearly it didn't involve warfare. Clearly it didn't involve effort. In their minds, it was simply a beautiful place where everything would just fall into place, where they would have all the food they wanted, all the wives they wanted, all the cattle they wanted. I don't know, whatever, whatever an ancient Israelite thought of as fantastic. Maybe it would have slaves all over the place. They'd come out of Egypt. They'd seen how those Egyptians lived. Maybe they would have thought, oh my gosh, we'll have pyramids. We'll have, we'll have endless, endless food, endless slaves, endless everything. I mean, what wish, wishful thinking did they have? But when they saw the reality, they were like, I can't, I can't understand how that matches up to the picture I had in my mind. And you see, Caleb and Joshua had something else. You see, their faith was not grounded on wishful thinking. Their faith was grounded. We can only see in hindsight, it was hard to tell at that moment, but their faith was grounded on the reality of what God had really promised. And you see, God's promises to you indeed are greater than even what you have dreamed of. But they may not, they may not come as easily as the wishful thinking has come to you. They're going to take some getting into the promised land and pulling down some giants. They are going to take getting into that, that promised land and, and believing God even when things are tough. Because we know the story of what it took to take that promised land. Joshua led them in. And there was battle after battle after battle. There was the discipline of the Lord. Up to this point, um, manna had fallen from heaven and they could just go and collect their food. Now they had to actually plant crops, harvest them. They had to learn how to be farmers. They had to keep their own um, animals. They had, to, they had to build cities. They had to... They had to manage governments. They had to establish orders of society. It, was, it wasn't just plain sailing. But you see that God, when he's looking at wholehearted people, he's looking at people who will not step away from the battle. Where they're going, they are absolutely certain that God will give them the victory, and so they are prepared to face every difficulty with faith, knowing that God will bring them through, and this land will be blessed. They're prepared to learn the things, the new things, because you know, here's the thing, is that if what you had was good enough, then God could just, you could just have it now, but it's, it's not, or you could just have the promises now, but the truth is, what you have, what you've learned and your skills that you have are not good enough for where you're going. And so there's a place whereby God is going to have to add to you. He's going to have to change you. And change is difficult. They had to go from being a nomadic people to being a settled people. 
And in the process, it's going to take hanging on to the promises of God, knowing that He's good despite the fact that things don't look exactly the way you expect them. Say, God, despite the fact. that parenting this child turns out to be much harder than I imagined. Despite the fact that this degree looks, turns out to be much harder than I imagined. Despite the fact that living in a fully democratic nation turns out to be much harder than I ever imagined. Despite that fact, I know what you've said. And so I'm going to make the changes I need to make and I'm going to walk into a future that I am sure you are in. That I am sure of you are So, Father, I want to pray that as you make us new, as you as you come to give us a new land, and as you open up a new future to us, oh God, that our hearts would be ready for that. We say yes to Jesus Christ. Oh God, that we wouldn't walk, we wouldn't run away from the changes that you have ahead of us. Lord Jesus, I pray and ask that you would, you would deliver us from the smallness of thinking. I pray you'd separate us from the hardness of heart. I pray you'd separate us from wishful thinking. And Father God, you would cause your promises, your truth to be real in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My friends, as we're closing, I feel like there is a... that God wants to do something. There are... There's some people here that you've been battling with depression over the last little while. I just saw some people, you know, it's been, it's been hard to... It's been hard to think clearly. Everything just seems dark and dismal. It's hard to imagine a good future. And I feel like God wants to set you free. I feel like he wants to come and touch you right now. In addition, I feel like there's some people here you've been battling with chronic illness. Specifically, I felt like there's some intestinal difficulties that some of you have been battling with. But I feel like God wants to heal that today. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you wouldn't mind. If you've been battling with any kind of chronic illness or depression, go, go ahead and just stand up. Thank you. I feel like God is making all of you who are standing right now promise. I hear him saying this to you. That I'm giving you a good future. I am opening up more than you've ever imagined. I'm leading you to a good place. I'm leading you to a good place.
ask those of you who are around these people, won't you just, won't you place your hands on them? That's not too, it's not a weird religious thing. It's just a way of saying, are we with you? That your victory is our victory. That we are as much invested in you getting breakthrough as you are desiring of it. This is us being family to these people. Lord Jesus, right now, I speak to these souls and I say be free in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you come and touch each one with the power of your presence. Would you come and touch each one with the power of your presence. Lord God, right now in Jesus' name, I speak to the chemicals of their bodies and I say be right. I speak to the lives in their souls and hearts and I say you must go in Jesus' name. That that constant voice that is saying there is no hope, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father God, right now, some of them are living in circumstances that they have despaired that they will ever change. And I speak to these souls right now and I say, be courageous for God is doing a new thing. I speak to the financial wall that is in front of them and I say be broken in Jesus' name. I speak to the academic wall that is before them and I say be broken in Jesus' name. I speak to the health wall that is in front of them and I say be broken in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now we, we say deliverance is here. Deliverance is here. Deliverance is here. Holy Spirit, would you touch their bodies? Lord God, I'm asking that you would put everything back as it should be. Lord God, I'm asking that you would speak to their minds and their hearts and you would speak the words of hope. I speak to each heart and I say, God is with you. God is with you. There is nothing that you will ever face that he has not already conquered. I hear him saying, I see before you just, just a path leading into the light, into the dawn, into the goodness of God. I hear him saying, don't listen to the voices of your surroundings. Don't listen to the voices of your surroundings. For I'm the living God and the voice that creates worlds with one word. I hear his voice going before you and I hear him saying, I hear him saying, I'm creating a new way where there is no way. I'm creating a new way where there is no way. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and see. Lift up your eyes and see. Even now there's someone here that there's been a very difficult relationship and I hear the Lord saying, right now I'm working on the other party and you will see a radical transformation in a very short time. There's someone here that is battling not being able to get work. I hear the Lord say, even now there's an application in place that I am working on. See if I won't open a place for you. And right now I just want to speak to every chronic illness that is here. Every chronic illness that is here. If you have a chronic illness, why don't you just place your hand somewhere on your body where that chronic illness is. Father God, right now we just speak to what is out of order in these bodies. And we just say in Jesus' name we command you to come into order. Holy Spirit, we just remember the promises of God that by your stripes we are healed. We remember the promises of God 
that you became a curse for us that we would not have to suffer under the curse of the law. Father God, right now I speak to these bodies and I say receive the benefit, the blessing of being under Jesus, that he heals all our diseases, he forgives all our iniquities, he renews our youth like the eagle, he satisfies our mouth with good things. Right now we just speak to these bodies and we say be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. Thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I speak to the pain, that chronic pain, and I command you to go right now. I speak to those cells that have just been out of order, and I say, come back into order. Thank you, Lord. Life. Resurrection life. Same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Quickens our mortal bodies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.